right, as the uh, outline's coming around, uh, you see the challenge. We're looking at the challenges Christian face. And uh, we've looked at different topics, uh, mediocrity, rising above that, unselfish living, the hard truth. Uh, we looked at several different topics. Tonight, as you can tell and look at your outline, we're looking at the challenge to deal with guilt. Um, when you hear the word guilt, what do you, what do you think? What's, what is guilt? Anybody? Sense of feeling you've done something wrong. What, Brother Ben? Feeling bad about something. Huh? I can't hear you. I'll regret. Uh, I thought you were saying breath. I was like, breath? What? Uh, regret uh, about something. Um, <clears throat> conscience eating at you. Uh, all those are great definitions for that. Guilt. Dealing with guilt. Now, I, I, I can ask the question, has anybody ever felt guilty? But I don't need to because what? Everybody has. We felt guilty at some point or another, hadn't we? Uh, for whatever reason. What generally makes us feel guilty? What do you say? When we do wrong. Yeah, when we do wrong. Um, any other guilt come by any other what means? Reckon? Huh? Yeah, doing something stupid. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, failing to help somebody when you could. Maybe you felt guilt. Um, so guilt comes along with those things, most of the time associated with, or almost all the time, I guess, associated with things that are negative. Uh, the passage tonight, as you can see in your um, outline, Matthew chapter 26, and verse uh, 20 uh, through 25, we see that the Passover here is celebrated. In verse 20 it says, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now who's he? Jesus, the twelve apostles. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each, each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to uh, that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not, what? Been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. Under that introduction part there, Matthew 26 and 23-25 indicates to us that Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed, didn't he? And not only did he know if he was going to be betrayed, but he knew what? Who was going to do it? And, and, and he pointed out 
pointed out uh, him at that last supper together with his disciples. And the eleven that did, uh, did not seem to realize what Jesus was really trying to point out. And they sincerely asked, Lord, is it I? But now there's two different ways to ask that question right here. One was through sincerity. Lord, is it I? I'm really concerned. But then there's one person, one way to answer it hypocritically, wasn't it? Because the plan was already what? Already made. That's, yeah, did you catch that? He was betraying him in the wording of our passage. So Judas hypocritically asked, Lord, is it I? Even though the Lord pointed out to Judas that he was the one, it didn't change Judas's uh, plans, did it? No. And asking this question can come from two kinds of hearts, as we just pointed out. A sincere heart, wanting to really know the truth, or a heart of hypocrisy trying to cover up one's sinful actions. And I guess if we were to ask this question of Jesus, which heart would we have? Lord, am I the one that will betray you, deny you, be unfaithful to you? So I guess we have to look at the two different hearts, the two ways of thinking here. Now, when you was growing up or even as you got older, <coughs> it's kind of like when you was in school and, or maybe you was with your siblings and y'all was doing things you weren't supposed to be doing and the teacher looked at you or looked at your way as of the group or your, where you're sitting and you might even, I even did this when I was sitting by myself. <laughs> I'd be sitting to myself at church and my granddaddy would want to look at me and I knew what I was supposed to get. But I'd be looking around like, me? <laughs> That's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, no, is it me? <laughs> no, you're the only one sitting right there. That's the one you're looking at. Uh, but a lot of times we're in a group and we, we, we're like that. We want to make sure that, that, that uh, they know for sure that it's me. <laughs> it might have been that boy next, next to me. Um, but Judas couldn't do that. Lord, uh, Lord knew that. So point number one in discussion, why would a person ask this question hypocritically? I've listed a few things there. Why? Why would one ask it? Why would one say, is it me? Am I the one you're talking about? Maybe in conversations people have said things and, and you're sitting there wondering, is it me they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, anybody but Jesus, you can play it all, right? Yeah, what did they say there? Pride, out of pride. Uh, to admit wrong will lower others' estimation of me. Hmm. Let's think about that thought for a second. To admit wrong would be for someone or some others to have a lower estimation of me, to estimate who I am. What you're capable of. We don't want to be wrong, do we? Do y'all like being wrong? I don't. I don't like being wrong. But pride is what gets in there, isn't it? Yeah. Pride gets in there. 
and it's, it's difficult. Um, a lot of times people are more concerned, or, or I may be more concerned about my image than my relationship with God. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Don't y'all sit there and lie. I have. So there's been times, especially when I was younger and teenage and the pressure of those, that situation growing up, I was worried a lot of times more about my image than I was my relationship with God. And it still carries over in a lot of people's adulthood. I'm more worried about what people think about me than I am of what God thinks about me. Now, is that dangerous? Very dangerous, isn't it? I mean, I shouldn't care really. I mean, well, I get what I'm saying here. Yes, it matters what people think about us, okay? But when it comes to materialistic things or other things, I, I shouldn't really... I'm not sure worry about my image, how you view me as far as being socially on the ladder or whatever. If it's going to take and turn me over, I'm going to portray my God is basically what we're trying to say. So why would one person do that the way Judas did, hypocritically, out of pride? Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before what? Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's a haughty spirit? Huh? Snooty. Well, what's snooty, Miss Karen? Attitude. <laughs> yeah. Snooty. Huh? I can do no wrong. I'm going to get over on you before you give me. Haughty spirit. Exactly. That's right. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Now notice that. A man's pride will bring him low. Now we've been studying Proverbs on Sunday nights, haven't we? Yeah, we just finished up that series. Um, there's a lot of good information in Proverbs if you'll just read it uh, and try to understand it. But a man's pride will bring him low. How many times has your pride brought you low? Has me, man. <laughs> uh, I don't mind telling you. Uh, it's part of spiritual maturity, isn't it? Being able to move past those things. Humility. Now hear this. Humility will help us overcome hypocrisy. Wait, think about that. Humility will help us overcome hypocrisy. It's okay that we are wrong, that we make mistakes. But being humble and having that humble heart and having humility and being able to say, oh, my wife today was telling me of a uh, situation she was facing in school and, and, and I'm just going to start using this. <laughs> now that I'm older, oh, I didn't tell you this, but uh, 
I'm fixing to start using this phrase. She said, I just didn't process that the right way. That gets you out a whole lot, don't it? Worked for you, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to start using that. Uh, I just didn't process that the right way. <laughs> that gets you out a whole lot. I need that. I need something like that, to be honest with you. Do what? Oh, Y'all kids can't let the beauty queen thing go away, can you? Uh, oh, yeah, I dug myself a hole up last week, too, when I said I had a picture of her in my dash in my truck back when she was beautiful and pretty hair and all that. Oh, boy, they got on me when I got down to church last Wednesday night. You saying your wife ain't beautiful now? <laughs> yeah, she's more beautiful now than she was then. Did you hear that one? All right. <laughs> I'm trying to get back. Uh, why would a person do this out of self-righteous attitude Jesus told a parable about a such man Luke 18 9-14 thought of themselves as righteous he even went as far as says I thank God I ain't like what other men, other men little sinful folks look at all of my righteous deeds in my life I could never betray the Lord Boy, that's a self-righteous if I ain't ever heard one. Oh. But these were the very people who crucified Jesus. The self-righteous. I could do no wrong. Sometimes we, we have to be careful with that. We don't want, we want to appear and be a light to people in the world and and things, but we never want to appear self-righteous. That I'm better than you, or I have no sin, or I'm way better than you in that. You may be better at me and whatever, but I guarantee you, you've got a problem that I don't have. Everybody has different weaknesses, don't they? Yeah, they do. Sure they do. So how would a man could say this? Out of pride, out of self-righteous attitude. Peter, what about Peter? What did Peter say? Lord, I'll what? I'll never. Boy, you better watch saying that word, parents. <laughs> Christians. He intended it, yeah. Oh, Peter, he said, I'll never forsake you. Ooh, you better be careful. Don't ever say never. Is that what they say? Especially if you're a parent. Don't ever say my kid will never do that. Because just as you say that, guess what? It's going to happen. My kid will never do that. Well, yeah. Probably will. Probably already have. But Peter said, but he denied the Lord three times with an oath, if you remember. He later faced what he had done. You know, we could ask the question, whose sin was worse? It is easy to condemn Judas of the sin of betrayal. But what is betrayal? Let's talk about that just for a few seconds. Betrayal, what is it? When you turn what? Turn your back? Give up someone to whatever? Turn your back on someone? What's that? 
seven, okay. Um, maybe we have not come right out and sold the Lord out to be crucified. Can we betray him? Can we, yeah, can we portray him today? Yes. What did Brother Jimmy just say? Worldly, worldly pleasures. Fleshly lust, our desires that we love so much that we will, we will take and do those things rather than do what God would have us to do. You think about that. Do what? Every time we sin, we betray him. So, you know, think about your lives, I think about mine. We don't have to openly just say, here he is, come arrest him and crucify him. Every time I sin, um, when I crucify him afresh, that's right. Um, so, you know, we can, we can betray him today. When I put things in my life and in, in my daily activities before God, I've betrayed him, hadn't I? Yes, we have. We sure have. And it's not easy to do. It's real easy, excuse me. It's real easy to do in the world in which we live today, isn't it? Because we are so much of a materialistic people now. Everything's about materialistic, and everything's about who? Me. I'm going to be happy no matter what the cost. That's what most people think, isn't it? God wants me to be happy. Exactly. Yeah. God wants me to be happy. Um, so we can betray him today. And, and, you know, we, we might want to say, well, that terrible old Judas, that terrible old Peter, well, that brother out there, he won't do this and he won't do that. What does the scripture say about the mote and the bean? Yeah. We're worried about a little old speck and whoever's eye, but we got a big old beam in your own eye. As my grandmother used to say, she'd say, you better make sure your doorstep's clean before you start going and cleaning somebody else's. That's what my grandmom used to tell me. We have to be careful with that, don't we? We sure do. Uh, so, number two. Three important questions to ask ourselves. Have I lived my life worthy of my calling? Here's the challenge. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the what? Calling or vocation by which you are called. What's our vocation? What is our calling? Christians. Footsteps of Jesus. Here's the challenge. Here's a challenge to each and every one of us. Have I lived my life according to my calling? <clears throat> when you became a Christian, 
and you were baptized for the remission of your sins, and you were added to the body of Christ, and you made, you made that commitment. Your son sat right here, stood right here Sunday morning. How old is he, 12, 13? Many of you, I forgot to announce that tonight. We have a new brother in Christ, Caleb Wimberly, his son. Stood right here, he and I, and we sit right there and actually talked about that commitment. I said, do you really understand what you're fixing to do? Yes, I do. I said, you're going to take, and you're, what you're saying is you're saying that, that you're not going to put anything before God and before Jesus in, in church, and Jesus is always going to come first in your life. Do you understand it? Yes, sir, I do. See, that's what it is. That's the calling. That's the calling. And until we get to that point, that word we used a while ago, hypocritically, a lot of us are hypocritically living in our lives because we are not, we are not putting God and Christ in the right order. Remember that sermon we had not too long ago? Sack it. Go to the what? The second, second mile. Second milers. You know, well, we have a lot of one milers. Well, a lot of folks just won't go one mile. It shows in their daily activities. It shows in their attendance. It shows in what's important to them. And again, I'm not talking, I mean, again, when we talk about attendance, people always want to say, well, I can't help if I'm sick. Well, the Lord understands that, okay? So we shouldn't even have to go there. But you know what I'm talking about. So again, have I lived my word, life work through that? Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Walk worthy of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 12. That you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and his glory. Oh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Take up my cross, or, or he that takes up his cross and follows me is worthy of me. Take up my cross and follow me. Should we say, as the prodigal son did, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am not no more worthy or not worthy to be called your son. I guess the question we need to ask now is do the changes in your life that you made or should have made as a Christian when you become a Christian or when you repented and confessed sin, do those changes in your life indicate true repentance? Has it brought forth fruits worthy of repentance? What is true repentance? Turning away? Turning away to Christ, yeah. A 180, isn't it? I used to say, I used to get confused to say a 360. 360 puts you going right back where you're just going, 180. Uh, going the opposite way. Uh, that's true repentance. And has my life indicated that? Could the following be said of my past life? Now, everyone, everything, one thing we have all in common tonight is we all have a what? A past. Everybody's got a past, don't they? 
It's either a good past, mediocre past, bad past. Everybody has it, don't they? But what about that past life? Could the following be said of my past life in Christ? Hebrews eleven thirty eight: of whom the world was not worthy. By our past life, would, it be, would we be counted worthy of the kingdom? We've all made mistakes. That's, that's what we tend to focus on, isn't it? In our past, right? We fin- tend to focus on what? The negative. That's easy for us to do, is, is to focus on the negative of our past. But what did Paul say about that? Yeah. Forget those things behind. But to forget those things, what has to happen? We just talked about it. Had to be forgiven. True repentance, right? Got to have true repentance. Yeah, my wife says you have to forgive yourself. I've always said that's what. That's one of the hardest things to do is to forgive ourselves. And how many times have we preached and we've heard sermons on that God throws our sins into the seas and the depths of the sea. He throws them, he, he separates as far as the east is from the west and, and he doesn't remember them anymore. I'll remember your iniquities against you no more. But we still what? Hang on to them. And he does because if you dwell on that, what happens? Makes you weak. Makes you want to say, I ain't worthy. I, I ain't got a chance to go to heaven. Most certainly there has to be true repentance and confession and a change of life, yes. But we've got to forgive ourselves. Because I'm going to tell you, those burdens become hard and they become heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier the longer you carry them. We have to cast our cares upon him. Come unto me, y'all, you that labor and are heavy laden, and what? I'll give you rest. You see, that's what it boils down to. Talk about guilt. We've all got guilt. We all got things we regret. We all got things that we wish we'd have done that we didn't do. I've always said, there's parts of my life I hope some people never find out about it. Maybe some of you could say that. I don't know. But you know, it takes a lot to move forward. And we need to dwell on what we're doing for the Lord now. Are we doing what we should for the Lord now? Have we changed or are we still dragging that ball and chain with us of our past? And is it the devil using it against us? That's, that's one of the good questions. Have I truly placed my service and devotion to God first in my life? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek what? Ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and all these things will be added unto, thee, unto you.
You see, that's what it boils down to. When we seek Him first, really shows that I've placed my service and devotion to Him. Have I shown that loyalty by abstaining from sinful practices? Sins of the flesh, passions, intemperance, sins of the tongue. What sins of the tongue? Oh, we just lying, cursing, blaspheming, gossiping. Sins of the heart, gossip. We've, I got a few names dirty, vulgar speech, undisciplined temper, hate, and wrath. Using God's name lightly without proper esteem or reverence. Have I shown this loyalty by the actions of my spiritual life, worshiping faithfully with the saints? Last Sunday, what did I preach on? When our duties become desires. You see, when our duties become desires, we want to worship faithfully with the saints. We'll want to be continued in prayer and Bible study. And we'll do a whole lot of other good things as well. Let me ask you this. Do I fully appreciate the blessings of my past life? It's a terrible mistake to dwell on the painful rather than the joyful. But we need to count our blessings now and also back when? In the past. And sometimes those hardships and sometimes those difficulties were blessings in disguise, weren't they? How many times in your life have you been, I know I've been able to say, says, boy, if that happened, happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. There's a lot of things we can look at that way. You know, we have a reasonable amount of health, our daily bread. We still live in a country, in spite of all of its troubles, we still live in one of the best countries out there, I think, in spite of all of its problems. So again, most of all, we've learned God's glorious truth to be set us free. We've experienced the love and grace of God. We all have experienced the wrath of God at some point in our lives. Because we have a loving God, but he's also a merciful, he's a loving, merciful God, but he's also a just God, and he's a God who's going to discipline like a father disciplines his children, right? Yeah, exactly right. In the conclusion, back to the original uh, question, Lord, is it I? Am I truly dealing properly with my guilt that has betrayed you, denied you, placed you in secondary to my family, friends, money, above or below my money, friends, family, pleasures. Judas betrayed the Lord for how many pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. Let me ask you this question. What has been your price? What's been my price to betray the Lord? Make good use of our opportunities. Make good use of our time. Deal honestly with God and men. Devote our talents and ability and our possessions in, into his service. And it's important that we honestly ask the question, Lord, is it I? But it's most important that we ask it honestly 
and with humility and answer it before God. What has been our price? 